enthusiasts. Welcome to Food Innovators by Foodex. This is where we have conversations with thinkers and entrepreneurs disrupting the food industry, where you get a chance to sit down with founders of food startups, food thinkers, and food trendsetters, advancing food tech, launching exciting companies, and shifting the way food is prepared, distributed, and consumed. Foodex feeds the food movement. Foodex invests and works with food founders from around the world. If you have a food tech or food product, sign up at foodex.com. That's F-O-O-D hyphen X dot com. Want to shoot me an email about this podcast or Foodex? Email Andrew period Ive I-V-E at food hyphen X dot com or find me on LinkedIn forward slash I-N forward slash Andrew Ive I-V-E. Look forward to connecting with you. Hey, Nal, how you doing? Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm thank you. Uh, I'm thank you. No, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, it's early in the morning. Give me a break. OK, so um, welcome to Food Innovators by Foodex. Uh, I wanted to uh, just spend some time with you and find out a bit more about your company. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Very good. I'm settling back into the Irish lifestyle after a couple of months in New York. So it's taking a little bit of adjustment bit quieter slower here but uh no everything's going fantastic yeah so so tell me um uh, tell me your company and what what you guys do sure so we are uh Paukau. we're a high protein frozen yogurt so we're made from a greek style strained yogurt meaning that we deliver a rich creamy indulgent texture and taste that you would expect from a regular ice cream but we boost much better nutritional. So we contain 80% less sugar in comparison to standard branded ice creams, uh, less than 110 calories per serving, and 15 grams of protein. So pow cow, P- uh, spell it for me. P-O-W-C-O-W, pow cow. And if people want to find out more about pow cow, where, where would they go? Sure. So we have a very active um, Facebook page, Pow Cow, uh, uh, Instagram page, uh, Twitter. And also you can check us out on our website, which is pow-cow.com. That's P-O-W-C-O-W.com. Okay. So in all of your social media, it's just P-O-W-C-O-W. Correct. Yeah. But on your website, just just kind of make sure people get it and and don't miss you. Uh, It's p-cow.com. No, it's pow-cow.com. What did I say? P-cow. <laughs> See? Getting it wrong already. P-O-W-C-O-W dot C-O-M. Yes, correct. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> so you guys um, uh, have a yogurt product. So Greek-style yogurt. Frozen. Greek yeah. style frozen yogurt. What? What? Why? Why Greek? Greek style? Is that? Is that to kind of get some of the, the taste and the and the sen- and the mouthfeel of regular ice cream, but without the the bad stuff? Yeah, exactly. So um, Greek yogurt traditionally would have been made. Um, so I guess if you if you make just basic yogurt, you have your milk and then you add some live cultures or probiotics into it, and that causes the yogurt to form. What makes Greek yogurt so special is um, once, you know, you still add your 
your cultures and then that creates the yogurt. But what you actually do is you strain the orange with traditionally they would have used a muslin cloth. And what that does is that gets rid of a lot of the liquidy part of the yogurt. So the, the yogurt gets a lot thicker and creamier mm-hmm. um, without necessarily adding in lots of fat that you would expect. So we use that as the primary base ingredient for our frozen yogurt because, like you rightly mentioned, it delivers a great kind of mouthfeel in terms of texture and taste. So you get that rich, creamy indulgence. But because it's a uh, yogurt-based, you actually have much better nutritionals. How, how are there other products similar or is this something uh, that is is quite unique in the marketplace? Um, I mean, right now we are the only frozen um, Greek style strained yogurt on the market in Europe. Um, and there are one or two similar competitors um, in other markets, but certainly having done numerous taste tests and taste trials with consumers, we will come out on top of all of them. So we're definitely sitting on something quite unique at the minute, Joe. Okay. And so you're in Ireland, correct? Although we can't tell, it looks quite modern behind you, which is which is you know doesn't look like Ireland to me. I'm going to get all these. What? I'm going to get all these rude notes now from the Irish yeah. people. <laughs> I'm just I'm just messing. Uh, okay, so you're in Ireland right now, um, and you said this is the, a unique product in Europe. Tell me, uh, t- tell me where it's available. Tell me where you're going to be taking this product. Sure. So we launched in um, May of 2017 um, and we launched into um, we're we're currently available in approximately 100 super values. So they are Ireland's largest retail supermarket. Um, Just before Christmas, we won an account for BWG, which are the largest convenience stores uh, or store contract in the country. So they have over 500 stores and we'll be targeting the top 250 stores. Uh, and then this coming Wednesday, we will be available in legal in 190 of their stores <clears throat> across um, the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. Uh, and Lidl are among one of the largest retailers in Europe. And they have over 10,000 stores across um, across the EU. So, you know, Lidl have taken us on and they are very much using this as a trial basis to see whether or not they can, you know, uh, roll us out to, to other jurisdictions um, throughout continental Europe. So our plan right now is to continue on our growth um, in the Irish market. Um, We're also looking at the UK. We're launching in Ocado, which is the largest online supermarket in the UK at present, similar to the way that Amazon would be in the States or Amazon Fresh. Um, And we're in in talks and with a number of other retailers as well um, in in the UK to, to make you know, to get a listing over there and to grow presence. Um, in addition to that, we were lucky enough to get on the FoodX program back in September. And with the help of yourselves, which is fantastic, um, we got introduced to some fantastic mentors and US-based investors and also some US retailers. So there's been, you know, a significant interest in um, from the US side. Um, in particular, we've uh, got commitment from one uh, U.S. retailer who has over uh, 270 stores on the northeast coast of America, uh, and they are very keen to list us um, yeah, stateside as well. So for us, looking at the market, we kind of probably have a dual prong approach whereby we will be predominantly focusing on um you know, consolidating Ireland and the UK growth and potentially if any opportunities arise elsewhere in Europe, mm-hmm. then we'll look at expanding in there. But, you know, a big focus for us would be the US as well. So 
Um, as founder of the company, I will be relocating back over to the US in March of this year to pursue, uh, pursue that goal. So, um, I mean, you know, when you look at the two markets, there's quite a, you know, Europe is a huge uh, market with uh, frozen yogurt and ice cream worth over 22 billion euro. Um, and in the US, that same market is worth about 10 billion, just over 10 billion dollars. Um, but the issue that we would have in Europe is it can be quite fragmented in that each country has its own culture towards ice cream, frozen yogurts, etc. Um, and it's it can be sometimes a little bit more challenging to scale up a niche product into that entire market. Um, while, you know, the opportunity with the US is if you can, in general, crack a region and make it work very well in a particular region, for example, on, on one of the coasts, whether it be the East Coast or the West Coast, it is slightly easier. It's not easy, but it's slightly easier potentially to scale that up across onto a nationwide basis. So it sounds like Ireland for the first half of 2018 uh, with a kind of incremental growth into the UK. Um, right, and, and when do you see uh, yourself making the business transition through to North America? Um, there's a couple of variables that will dictate that um, predominantly manufacturing will be one of the major ones so uh, my I suppose key initial goal or key initial project of going over to the US will be to make sure that we have sourced a manufacturer who can produce a product that is equally as good with the same ingredient well it won't be the exact same ingredients but equivalent ingredients in the US um, so if all of that goes well, we are looking to plan a launch for August um, time in the US, August 2017, possibly September, depending on how our timeframes go with the manufacturing piece. You said 2017. All right, 2018. <laughs> let's, go, let's go back in that uh, time machine. Um, yeah. Now, I know that um, you were very, very picky about how you made this, where you sourced the milk from um, in, Isle, uh, uh, in Europe uh, and so on. You've been very focused on the quality of the product. In fact, I think I remember from when we first had a conversation that uh, you launched a product and from a taste point of view, consumers were sort of, uh, some liked it, some were, were not so keen. And, and therefore, you actually pulled the product back, all of it, and, and re restarted all over again to make sure that you had a great product in the market. So t take us through quickly, um, you know, how you focused on on sourcing the right materials and, and how you focused on getting the right product into the marketplace? Sure, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you always hear these uh, entrepreneurial stories where people say, oh, you know, we've blown up overnight. And, you know, for us, it was not the case. There was a lot of challenges to get there. Um, so, I suppose to take us back to pretty much the beginning, I'm actually a qualified dietitian and sports nutritionist by background. And worked with quite a lot of professional athletes at the Olympic Games and professional rugby clubs here in Ireland, and as well as having my own private clients for diabetes and weight management clients. And one of the things that people were saying to me quite often in my clinics were, look, we're looking for, um, we understand that desserts tend to be quite high in fat and sugar, but we really like our ice cream. And is there anything, an alternative out there? And you know, I, I was an avid ice cream lover, like so many of us are out there. And ice cream for me brings back a sense of nostalgia and kind of childhood memories and enjoyment. So I set myself the challenge at that point to try and see if there was anything that I could come up with as a recipe for my clients. So I went out and bought a 
ice cream machine and started playing around with different recipes. And I think 200 recipes later, and after a couple of broken ice cream machines, I created uh, our base recipe um, of what we have today, um, a pauka. So that would have been back in uh, probably July, August 2015. Um, and from there, then I was toying with the idea, you know, of potentially... Uh, you know, I was kind of giving this out to the consumers or to my clients. and They were like, oh, this this is really good. You know, we're not going to buy an ice cream machine to make it. But what you've made is really nice. So that kind of gave me the inkling to say, right, well, maybe it's an idea that this is something that people would pay for. And it's a scalable um, idea. So went on a food business course. And subsequently, uh, we found a small scale um, factory in the Midlands and Ireland and starting producing kind of a version of what we have today and i guess um what we had created was something that had 20 grams of protein in it and um was very very nutritionally focused so i suppose i probably had too much of a dietitian head or a nutritionist head on at that stage and i was all about the macronutrients it has to hit 20 grams of protein per serving it has to you know be this percentage um of sugar etc so um, we launched it onto market in, in May of sorry, 20... Sorry, one, sorry, one, quick, one quick second. Um, focused on the nutritional side, 20 grams of protein. What what consequence did that have in terms of the the taste and the, the kind of mouthfeel and so on? Sure, yeah. So that, that was probably the key stumbling block for me. I was a little bit too fixated on the nutritionals and actually the... Because of such high protein content, um, the, the product did not freeze as well as, as it, you know, as it could or, or as people are expected so it was a little bit harder a little bit icier um than kind of standard ice cream and uh in addition to that there was you know it we had to add in some fortified protein to get up to that 20 grams of protein so there was kind of a tendency of maybe a lingering that bitterness that you often can get sometimes from whey protein powder so when we launched the product onto market you know we launched mm -hmm. in a selective 15 stores and the the, we were out in stores doing demoing and sampling and that sort of stuff and consumers were coming back to us and saying look I bought this product I, I saw it on shelf absolutely love the concept of a high protein healthy frozen yogurt but it's not entirely delivering on taste for us you know or for me the you know they were saying that like look I was expecting to have something that was very similar to ice cream and I, I expect it to be taste very you know just as good as ice cream but be better yeah. for me yeah so, you know, that was a bit of a reality check for me as an entrepreneur and, and, and you know, it's your baby and you're kind of like, oh, God, <laughs> uh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But, you know, uh, it, you know, it came up in a couple of times and I decided to go back to the drawing board and I was really passionate to actually be like, actually, hold on a second. When you take a step back here, I want to create something that people actually enjoy eating and mm. uh, that's also good for them because there's lots of products out there that frankly are fantastic on paper but taste crap so you know that's not something um that i you know that i wanted to do and standing close to our my new dietitian kind of ethos is that like we're not food police we should be more about the enjoyment of food but trying to give consumers healthy options that are out there so went back to the drawing board um worked with a couple of agencies here in ireland the irish food board and actually we um, took everything off shelf. Um, we went back into uh, a phase of research and development and uh, reformulated. So just, 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 to, just to kind of reconfirm, 
you yeah. you'd, te- you'd put it out into store mm-hmm. consumers were like okay we get the protein and the nutritional piece but frankly it doesn't taste great or as great as we expect it to so you sure. got so you guys didn't just try and sell it through and kind of make you know finish up the money and then go go start all over you actually pulled the product off the shelf and probably you know had to had to dispose of it or give it away or or, or whatever yeah there was a lot of um there was a lot of drains full of frozen yogurt <laughs> after you, you can't say that you can't say <laughs> you gave it it's away fun. you gave it's it fun. away yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, yeah, but no, you're you're right. We did. We decided at that point. I decided at that point that look, this was not something that I wanted to. You know, if it's not good enough, I didn't want it out there. So, um, and that was something that you know, it was really strong for me was that I didn't want to put a crap product out there. And hey, look, probably there was enough potential in it at that stage to maybe convince somebody with a bit of money to come on board and just plow it through with marketing messages and get people to buy into it. But it wasn't standing through to my ethos and what I wanted to do as a food producer. So, you know, I was, I'm happy now looking back that I took that decision, but you know, the months that followed were not easy. Um, they were, they were a tough couple of months and I think it really tested my resilience and kind of, uh, determination to make this work. Um, where did that, you know, where did that come from? Why didn't you just yeah. Why didn't you just throw your hands up in the air and quit and go 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 be a a sports nutritionist or whatever? Yeah, probably because I'm stubborn as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I told too many people about it. <laughs> um, but no, it's, well, I suppose you know definitely determination and it's a, an element of stubbornness um, probably saw me through. But also, you know, this was something that I had dreamed of for for years, like. You know, you often hear these stories of entrepreneurs who go out and they start up their business when they're seven, selling lemonade or whatever. And I don't think I had, I had never probably done that, but I always had fantasized, you know, when I was in summer jobs and working for a minimum wage and late hours and kind of thinking like, gosh, what could I do that could, you know, that I could work for myself and achieve something. So it's something that, that has, I guess, been on my mind really since teenage, since a teenager. And it was something that I, despite the challenges, I still really enjoy the whole aspect of owning your own business and determining your own fate. So, you know, that kind of kept me, kept me going. And, and, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I was, uh, definitely optimistic from the feedback from the consumers that look, if you can get this right, there could definitely be something in it. So don't give up right now, you know? Perfect. So, okay. So you've launched this, you've launched the product again. Yeah. What, what what happened? How did it how did it go? How did consumers respond to it? Yeah, I mean, um, I suppose so. Once we came off shop and did the reformulation, a big challenge for us was I was like, right, if I'm doing this again, I'm doing it correctly. So I I, I suppose prior to this, when we did the initial launch, I suppose just to backtrack a small, when we did the initial launch, I actually so I live in Dublin and the the, the ice cream factory we rented it off a farmer. For two days a week or two days a week so it was basically i used to get up at 4 a.m drive down it took two and a half hours to drive down then i would do a 12-hour shift producing it then it had to be kind of frozen down for 24 hours so i would clean down the factory sleep in an in a b&b uh just around the road then i rented the farmer's freezer van 
I would sit in, get into the freezer van the following morning at about 4 a.m., put all the stock into it, drive up to the 14 stores, deliver to the 14 stores, drive back down two hours back to the factory, leave off the van, get in my car, then drive back up to Dublin again. So I was adamant that if I was doing it this time, that that was not the best use of my time. So we spent a long time, obviously, getting the recipe right, but trying working extensively to try and find the right manufacturer. So um, when we launched again, uh, we made sure before we launched that we had a good manufacturer that had capacity to allow us to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, we did lots of taste testing with the manufacturer, ran it through numerous of industry trials, not just like kitchen trials, but actually put a bit of money into it and making and, and getting them to do trial runs through their machinery and making sure the quality of the product was coming out at what we wanted. So, so, so out of interest, did you have a gazillion dollars to do all of this from the beginning? No. Are, they, I basically, are, you, are you a trust fund baby? I mean, I'm just wondering where, uh, how much it cost and where all this cash came from. Yeah, well, um, my, I'm by no means a trust fund baby. Uh, <laughs> my dad is a... Uh, part-time farmer and works as a, a uh, kind of a, an account an account executive um, and we lived a great life happy childhood but we are by no means from any sort of wealth so you know I had saved up some money through kind of doing my dietitian piece and also I had worked in a couple of large corporations so I mean there was some personal savings there but by no means a massive amount you know I had only been working really less than six years really in kind of uh, in professional capacity so but I had been careful to save money for this for the rainy day so basically there was limited funds and I suppose where I would have utilized it was to try and convince a manufacturer that you know this is going to be the next best thing and can you do one free trial for me and if you do one free trial then I'll pay for the second if there needs to be any amendments and there was a lot of bartering and trying to call in favors and you know um Offering free dietitian advice for services in return. <laughs> Basically, just no- knocking on doors and persuading people. Yeah, exactly, and and not taking no. Like if somebody was saying no to me now, it doesn't necessarily mean that it means no in three or four months' time again. So, you know, there was a lot of people, and it's funny now. You know, people are coming back to me. Even this week, I've had conversations from distributors who wouldn't even entertain a meeting with me. You know, a year, year and a half ago, and they're calling on my door now. So. You know, it's a case of a case of persistence, I suppose, and, and trying to find the right person that will give you that chance as well. So, um, and also, we were quite lucky in Ireland that um, we have some good government um, um, resources as well. So, so they helped us in the early stage and, and gave us some very small seed funding through Enterprise Ireland. So that kind of got got us a little bit of a buffer to be able to run some of these trials and stuff. Okay, so back to the story. Um, were producing in a factory. You were driving from Dublin four hour, uh, two, four, two, three, four hours down to uh, a farm to kind of make this thing. Then you were delivering that that to yourself to the back doors of, of of stores and so on. Now you've gone through a number of taste tests. You figured out a product that delivers both in terms of nutritionals but also taste. Um, back to the farmer. No. How did you How did you go from there? Um, so. You know, the farmer was fantastic, but we knew that he hadn't the necessarily the equipment to be able to um, create what we needed to create. So uh, eternally grateful for him giving me the chance in the very beginning, but we had to go bigger. So um, we searched, uh, I spent weeks and weeks going to meet different factories in Ireland and 
manufacturers and again trying to convince people you know and uh, that this was this was going to be something and a lot of doors closed on me before somebody finally gave me a chance so um you know this the current manufacturer we work with um you know they they saw they had the foresight to see that look healthy ice cream is something that's getting very large in the states and it's getting a lot of traction and a lot of movement you're coming up with a variation of that here in europe then let's let's get involved and um but again they were probably around the 12th or 13th door meeting that i had 13 no's before i got to this number 14 i'd say at least yeah so it was a case of you know keep going keep trying and and not giving up and there's there's a lot of time wasters in between i'm like spent endless of hours preparing business proposals for some of these factories and them not even to give a proper consideration or thought or even have the foresight um to to look into it but look that's the way it is sometimes you just have to keep going and then eventually you'll hit the jackpot so delighted to say that we we actually managed to source um our manufacturer and they have all the high levels of 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 uh, in terms of safety and food safety certificates, BRC accreditation, HACCP, all that sort of stuff. Um, and they're one of the largest frozen yogurt producers in Europe now. So we really landed on our feet. But again, it didn't happen overnight. So so um, big company, medium-sized company, small company. Where's the milk from, by the way? I mean, that's kind of two questions in one. But <laughs> So um, our... They're a medium, I guess, uh, a medium-sized company. Um, they have big growth plans, so luckily I fit into those growth plans. So um, you know, it's 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 great to be able to work with somebody who has a vision that they want to grow their business and see me as an integral part of that. Uh, second question: Where is the milk from? It's from a single um, co-op. Um, so we just made sure that we source from one location, and that um, that co-op actually only deal with farmers that source milk. Um, or farmers who um, support non-intrusive um, farming methods. So they would all be signed up to a particular environmental policy. The cows are all grass-fed. The cows only get milked um, twice a day at a maximum, um, which is tends to be morning and evening time. And they're out in the green pastures for the rest of the day. They have a very happy life. Um, and, you know, that was something that was really important to us because that's, you know, comes through in the quality of the actual yogurt itself. So, um, you know, I think the biggest thing that we found when we went to the U.S. is people were saying, oh, you can nearly taste the the grass-fed dairy from the actual product, that there's a significant difference in terms of texture um, than, let's say, other dairy or, or yogurt products. And that's something that we're very proud of and, and very keen to hold on to as we kind of scale up. How do you think you'll be able to do that um as and when you move to uh, the U.S., uh, well, not move to, but as and when you launch in the United States, because it sounds like you're going to have to recreate the whole product from, you know, U.S. sources. Uh, obviously, you can't be importing ice cream or, or Greek-style frozen yogurt from Europe. Uh, there's some challenges to that, I understand. Yeah, uh, we would love to. We would love to be able to keep making what we're making in our current factory and exporting it to the U.S., but... Unfortunately, as it stands at the minute, um, well, unfortunately for us, um, the dairy industry is an industry, the U.S. dairy industry is extremely protected, um, and there's a 25% tariff on products coming into the country. So, you know, it's not viable when you when you add on shipping onto that. So, um, yes, trying to recreate that in, in uh, the 
US is going to, is going to be a challenge. And I suppose we're very careful, you know, to take the time now and not to rush in and go at any any manufacturer or any ingredient supplier. We have employed um, a series of experts that are trawling through all of the dairy suppliers in the US for us to make sure that we can find somebody who has you know supports the same ethos that we have in terms of grass-fed environmentally friendly um dairy farms and we're you know currently in talks with um potentially somebody in vermont and also in north carolina um and again you know very like strictly they have to have grass-fed dairy farms we are not supporting anything else because it will come through in the end product and and you know if we lose that then we lose what our what our usp is so if it takes an extra couple of months and that's something that um, we will, you know, work on and work with it. But we would rather do that than rush in and, and create a product that's substandard. Now, do you see your products as being distinct from um, all of the products currently in the US? Um, yes. Yeah, I would see is in the in respects that there's very few actually grass fed um frozen dairy products out there. I mean, there's some grass-fed yogurts out there, but um, very few in terms of the ice cream and frozen yogurt sector. So that would be a key USP for us that currently is not on the market. The second piece also is our level of protein and the fact it's natural protein um, is a key USP for us too. And the protein, uh, sports nutrition and protein market in the US is worth over $12 billion and it's growing at double digit growth year on year. So it's a market that we feel um, is very lucrative and one that, you know, the power cow can certainly tap into. Um, and yes, there's a number of healthy ice creams out there, low calories, um, that sort of stuff. But there's there's no product really that offers, you know, grass fed, high protein and probiotic um uh, treats or frozen desserts um, that you can actually enjoy eating, but you know that you're getting all of this additional uh, nutritional benefits from. So from your point of view, uh, what consumers care? Who, who's going to care about this product and want this USP versus, I don't know, Skinny Cow or uh, I don't know, Halo sure. Top or whatever products there currently are on the market in the US? Um, well, in terms of kind of our, our consumer who we're looking at, um, as you know, Andrew, I like to call her Rachel. <laughs> so it tends to be our primary consumer is a female. She's Rachel. She's kind of late 20s, tends to be an urbanized, has some disposable income. And yes, is concerned about, um, you know, she exercises and is concerned about what she is consuming, but she's also looking for the permissionable treats. But she has a very strong sense of where her food comes from. Um, and particularly in the US, this is something that, I, you know, has absolutely exploded over the last couple of months and years, really. And you see lots of people moving away completely from dairy and completely from meat and going to a vegan diet because they're concerned of the origin of where those foods are coming from. So, you know, we're trying to um, communicate to that consumer that, look, dairy is not necessarily the evil of this world if it's harvested or if it's harvested is the wrong word but if it's collected in in the correct way and if we're treating the animals fairly mm -hmm. uh, and you know yeah like i said you know a lot of those there's, there's been a huge growth in that in that category and that subcategory and that's something that um you know we would see those consumers definitely tapping into to our product and, and choosing it as their number one um dessert guilt-free option as opposed to some of the other competitors that are on the market that aren't necessarily don't have 
that same sustainability conscience either. So where do you see um, Pow Cow, um, if everything goes exactly to the uh, Nile plan, the evil kind of the evil plan, <laughs> where, where do you see the product uh, and Pow Cow being in, let's say, five years time, if, if everything goes swimmingly well? Yeah, well, um, we would definitely like to see, um, you know, Pow Cow being a national brand in the United States. Um, that would be, you know, if, if everything was to go to plan, we would see ourselves distributed across the US and also um, we would have a, a strong presence in Europe um, and even right now we're currently exploring other options in terms of the Middle East and stuff as well kind of as a further pipeline so we would see ourselves nearly as a global brand and we would not only be a frozen yogurt but you know our mission is to be able to provide great tasting healthy treats that everybody can enjoy and have access to so we would look out look at expanding into other areas as well we would probably stick with the dairy piece, uh, sustainably sourced, of course, um, maybe looked at something in chill or even ambient as well. Um, and just looking at growing out the brand to be able to allow the consumers on the market to to choose, you know, they know when they're choosing Pauco that they're actually choosing a healthy product, but also a great tasting product. Perfect. What, what, what do you need right now? If people are listening to this and... Um... Uh, and they're, I don't know, uh, consumers, retailers, investors, all sorts of different folks. What does PowCow need right now to achieve its mission of being that, that kind of global brand that's, that's better quality, kind of grass-fed, probiotic, etc. cetera, uh, treats, ice cream, sure. et cetera? Um, I suppose for us right now, you know, we... We are at a critical junction in terms of our scaling up. So, you know, financing and funding obviously is quite important for us. But, you know, it's not just taking the money. We're looking for strategic partners who have connections in the industry that might be able to get us in and open doors with respects to getting to our consumers and opening up those routes to market. Um, in terms of retailers, of course, if there's any retailers listening, we'd be delighted if you'd like to call me <laughs> or check out my website. Uh, all of my contact details are there. Um, and, you know, in terms of the consumer, it's really trying to get the consumer behind us to be able to say, OK, cool, I'm going to support this. I'm going to give this a try. And if they see us, pick us up. And, you know, and we're always looking for feedback as well from our consumers because, you know, they're our number one. They're at the heart of everything we do. So um, it's very much trying to. Um, get their support, grow our tribe, as I like to call it, the Paukau tribe. We currently have the Paukau Mobile, so we're uh, <laughs> trying to, to grow out our tribe and create kind of this community of people who actually care about um, sustainably sourced, you know, healthy um, products, etc. Um, and yeah, and I kind of, I guess it's, yeah, so it's the support from the consumer, it's the retailers, you know, willing to give us a chance. Uh, and then from an investment piece, it's try and find uh, strategic investors who, you know, have uh, dealt with other CPG or FMCG companies and, and and have experience within this within this category in this area. So that would be finance investors, VCs, um, angels, but it also might be um, companies that either want to add uh, or want to partner with you to bring this product to market potentially so corporate investors as well perhaps absolutely and I mean <clears throat> you know we're always open to exploring other options and there's a number of other things and the MPD pipeline that are coming coming down the line as well which are all 
top secret right now, but you know, there's there's lots of opportunities for you know institutions or or corporations that if they wanted to invest in a an early stage startup, you know, um, we have lots of vision, and it's to try and find the right partners to execute that job. Perfect. So, um, okay, uh, let's assume so that some of the folks who are listening to this are other entrepreneurs. What would be and food entrepreneurs at that? What would be some of the uh, the things you'd want to tell people who are, let's say, two years earlier than you um, uh, in terms of getting their product to market, starting a business? Uh, whether they should just stay being uh, 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 health professionals, uh, etc., nutritionists, and, and not would you would you do it all over again? Um, would I do it all over again? Yes. <laughs> would I do? Would I do exactly what I did? Probably not. Um, okay, so go, go go deeper there. What what would be diff- what would be different? Um, I do. Th- do you know what I? Although, you know, looking back on it, that whole time when we went on market and I was producing and delivering and all of that piece was absolutely ridiculous when I think about it, trying to do all of that on my own. But it was one of the best learning curves that I have actually probably done. And I have learned the industry inside out. You know, I've been the guy knocking on the back door of the store after arriving 15 minutes late for being stuck in traffic and can't get, they won't accept the delivery you know, uh, or the guy that's had to issue the invoice chasing five or six different, you know, people because nobody will answer their phones or their emails um, and calling on blocked numbers to try and get paid. So, I mean, you know, it's been a really good learning curve, but probably what I would say to anybody starting at the beginning is probably get a partner, whether that partner be somebody who rolls up their sleeve um, and and gets in there and helps you. I really think in terms of building a team is probably the most important thing that you can do from the onset. And it's something that I I didn't do. And um, as they say, a problem half or a problem shared is a problem halved. So, you know, it was an awful lot of responsibility to take things on myself. Um, and I think looking back, it's probably one of the pieces slowed me down a little bit in terms of getting back onto the market again after taking the product off the first time. So I think building a, a team around you, I mean, it doesn't need to be a super, you know, sophisticated, we're not talking like six figures, some, you know, board of executives here, but, you know, even if you could even get somebody in with you that can guide you and, and help you along the way. Um, and also surrounding yourself with good mentors and people who have experience in the industry and You'd be surprised when you go out and ask for help from some of these people, you know, the majority of the people actually are willing to give you an hour here and an hour there to kind of guide you. And even now, it's a big thing for me. We're growing our team and, you know, getting the right advisors on board is absolutely critical for us to kind of guide us in the right direction. Because, I, you know, I've learned a lot over the last two years, but by no means do I know everything. And every day brings a new challenge. And as you grow, there's new, um, new hurdles to climb over, I guess. Um, probably the other piece as well um, a piece of advice I would give is if you are coming out with a CPG or an FMCG product a consumable product you need to engage with the consumer Um, and that's something I see continuously with people in the very beginning are nearly afraid of putting the product out there to the consumer um, or getting feed, maybe not so much putting the product out to the consumer, but getting feedback and true and honest feedback from the consumer. So, you know, I remember, I, I remember talking to somebody, maybe we were six months in and they were like, 
just make up a batch and go out onto uh, Grand Canal Dock, which is just around the corner for me. It's full of kind of people in their 20s to kind of mid-30s and their late you know, 40s or whatever and fairly affluent and just go out and give samples and get feedback. And I was kind of like, oh my God, no, like I can't do that. Absolutely not. So, you know. And should, but, you, and should you have done or did you? In hindsight, I, I came around to it because I got pestered so much to do it that I actually did. <laughs> but it was probably the most useful exercise that I did. And, you know, building up kind of um, this feedback from the consumer and actually seeing is there a real need out there for the product is, is vital. Because, you know, there'll be a lot of, you know, sometimes you can get, you can go down a path and you can get quite far down that path, but actually realizing that maybe people don't need this product or don't want this product. And if you're going to fail, fail fast. And, you know, failure is no bad thing. It just means that you might need to pivot in terms of like we did, you know, we went out with a 20 gram protein product and we thought it was all about nutritionals, but actually the consumer was equally as concerned about taste as they were about what the nutritions were. So we pivoted to, to change the product to make it fit what the consumer need was. So, so are you saying that I can't rely on my mum, dad, brother, sister, and, and g- girlfriend, boyfriend in terms of their feedback? That's not good enough? Uh, I would definitely <laughs> say not, no. Um, um, although, yeah, my mum is still my biggest fan, So, uh, but I think you could serve up literally a block of ice and she'd be like, this is brilliant, yeah, great. <laughs> so, so, so what's what's the next three or four months for you? What what's the immediate kind of things you're focused on? Sure. So um, we are obviously launching in in Lidl in Ireland and Northern Ireland over the next well in the next week. So that's going to take um, up quite a bit of uh, concentration, making sure that that goes smoothly. Um, we're looking at significantly raising our brand awareness now that we have a complete national listing um, and. So, you know, there'll be a lot of kind of uh, marketing exercises that we have I plan over the next few months. And then obviously the biggest uh, thing is we're building out the team right now. So we've selected a, an operations manager to look after Ireland. We have somebody in place for the United Kingdom as well. Um, so it's really trying to uh, onboard those people and make sure that they are carrying out and, and working with Pau- in Pauka with the same kind of ethos and enthusiasm and and. and you know, passion for it that I have. So it's really trying to instill culture into the people that are coming on board now. So that's a key focus for me. And then um, I will personally be moving to um, Boston to pursue the potential U.S. opportunity there with Powcow as well. So, you know, from a U.S. perspective, it will be um, looking at the manufacturing piece, um, hitting up retailers, um, and also trying to get some funding on board as well to be able to 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 continue our, our growth in, in Ireland and the UK, but also, you know, to fund the, to give us some runway for the, the US um, regional launch or, yeah. So so an Irishman in Boston, that's never happened before. I know, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's gonna be my cousin probably, yeah. <laughs> so, so, you're lo- so you're looking for retailers in the United Kingdom, you're looking for yes. more uh, uh, retailers in Ireland and uh, towards the middle to back end of this year, you're going to be looking for retailers in um, in North America. It sounds like you're focused on grocery, but you're also focused on convenience stores. So I'm guessing you have different sizes and so on, which um, which work in both convenience and or grocery. Correct. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, that would have been useful to mention. So we're available in pint size tubs and then half cup tubs for Do everybody. You have a product on anywhere close that you can. Show us what this thing looks like. 
don't, Andrew. <laughs> oh my god! In your freezer, dude. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, <laughs> I'm just gonna climb under the table now. <laughs> okay, so at least tell me the tell me the flavors. Oh, I do have it. Hold on, two seconds. Okay. Okay, this is this is Niall running around his hotel room or wherever the hell he is, uh, finding his product. Okay, we've got product. So let's, we let's have see. we've got uh, our larger uh, five hundred. Twist, turn it slightly so we can read it. Okay, so pow cow. I'm trying to read this thing. Pow pow cow passion fruit and mango Greek style frozen yogurt. That looks good. Nice and nice and uh, bold colours. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So passion so, fruit and mango. That sounds high protein. What's this one? Coconut, cool coconut. Yes. Yeah. Cool coconut. Um, and then we have our heavenly chocolate. So um, currently available in three flavors. So heavenly chocolate. So 15, chocolate. 15 grams of, of protein per serving. I'm seeing the, the flash tell us there. Correct. Yeah. And um, this would be kind of a serving size. So these are our convenient pots. Um, so they come in 125 mils or in U.S. measurement half cups. Right. And um, they are available with a spoon and lid. Um, so they're great for convenience stores. Um, so this, is kind of a, this is kind of a lunchtime treat thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Or you could uh, put it, I guess you could put it in a lunch pack, although it need to be probably like a... Go to a freezer at some point or you'd be eating kind of, yeah. Milkshake. Defrost. Mention, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, so we have our, our small cups and then our, our larger uh, pint sized take home tubs. So, um, and so, yeah, so there are three flavors right now. We actually are quite far progressed in the development of uh, uh, three new flavors with a slight different variation. So, um, it's top secret what those flavors are just yet, but they are going to be exciting, indulgent, and a little bit more of a intriguing flavors probably than, than what we have right now. So um, something to give the consumer if they really want to um, dive into kind of a, a more uh, indulgent type thing, but with all the guilt-free, non-guilt that's associated so, with Pauka. Three more Greek-style yogurts? Um... Yeah, let's wait and see. <laughs> okay, nice. We'll, we'll keep an eye out. So if anyone, uh, I'm guessing it will be on POW, P-O-W hyphen cow, C-O-W dot com sometime soon? Yes, it will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we are, we've just finished our first um, mini factory trial of the three new flavors. So um, we, we're, we're going to, we're taste testing at the minute. So um, that happens in February. So then once we get feedback on that, because, again, it's all about what the consumer thinks of it, mm -hmm. um, we will look to potentially announce them um, kind of towards the end of this quarter. So March-ish? Ish, yeah, for shelf kind of April, May-ish. Perfect. Uh, in, uh, immediately available or will, should be available Ireland first, UK second, and maybe towards the end of this year, all six flavors could be available in North America. Exactly. Yeah, awesome, sure. Niall. Um, any uh, one. Uh, this is kind of a question I sometimes ask, sometimes don't. Uh, best <clears throat> best book purchased recently, or best kitchen related implement 
tall uh, or, or, or similar uh, recently, either or, or none. Maybe you haven't bought any books because, you know, you're too busy. Maybe you haven't bought any kitchen implements because, uh, I don't know. Okay, good question. So I am actually, uh, uh, don't read that many books. Um, I tend to listen to books. However, the, la the best book that I bought it's not actually recently. It's actually nearly two years ago, but uh, it was a four-hour working week by Tim Ferriss. So um, very, very good book. Uh, probably spurred me on to quit my job um, at that point. So, But a podcast that I listen to religiously is called Sigma Nutrition um, by Danny Lennon. Um, and the other one is NPR, How I Built This. So um, Sigma Nutrition is very much evidence-based nutrition, so not necessarily business-related, but it's great to keep up to date with actually what's happening out there. And NPR, how I built this, is just really great stories from entrepreneurs who have gone through the mill um, and came out the other side. And it's great to kind of get inspiration uh, sometimes when you're scratching your head as to what the hell you're doing. <laughs> so, also, Niall, Niall, you are an inspiration. Thank you for your time today. Uh, one last time, tell people where they can uh, connect with you, reach out to you, uh, ask you obscure questions about PowCow or, or send you checks. Um, where, where, where can they uh, find you? Sure. So uh, you can check us out at pow-cow.com. That's P-O-W-C-O-W.com or on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Or you can follow my own Twitter handle, which is at Niall Maloney. Um, and you you're can check have, me out there. You're going to have to spell that, dude. It's N-I-A-L-L-M-O-L-O-N-E-Y. Perfect. Okay, th uh, Niall, thanks very much. Uh, love your product. I'm, I, I actually feel sad because of these restrictions that North America has on importing dairy products. I think I've had one spoonful of this product. Uh, <laughs> we smoked it in. We should, yeah. don't, don't say things. Oh, my God. You'll have Donald Trump knocking your door down. Uh, okay, so thank you very much, Niall. Uh, love Pow Cow, even the one spoon I had. People rave about this. It's, it's in, the amount of uh, kind of positive um, feedback we've had from people that have tried this product is amazing. So uh, we think you're onto something. Uh, we want to support you any way we can. Uh, I'm going to disconnect and then uh, don't go anywhere. We'll just stop the, the recording type devices. Thanks, uh, Andrew. And thanks, everyone, for listening. This is uh, Food Innovators from Foodex. Signing off. Thanks for listening to Food Innovators by Foodex. Again, come along to food-x.com if you're interested in finding out more about us. Also, if you'd like to connect with me, come along to linkedin.com forward slash I-N, N as in Nancy, forward slash Andrew Ive. Look forward to connecting with you again and have a great day. Bye.